Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast, episode 201. This show is brought to you by WooFunnels, your solution for optimized sales funnels, and TenUp and their powerful search for your client's Woo store at Elastic Press. I'll tell you more about our pod friends later in the show, but let's get started as we hear from more of the folks behind the scenes at WooCommerce.com. And this time around, we are learning more from two of the team members behind design and branding. Hey, it's Ronald here. Welcome to another episode of Do The Woo. And I'm joined here with my co-host, Marcus. Marcus, who do we have joining us as guests? Yeah, happy to be here, Ronald. Thanks. Today we have two special guests from the WooCommerce uh, group. We have Andres Slapsov, the brand design director at WooCommerce, and Fernando Perez, branded marketing designer, which I'm sure I said in the most American way possible. I'm sorry. No worries. <laughs> uh, hello. We're happy to be here. Uh, this is Andre. Um, and uh, a lot of people have challenged pronouncing my last name. It's uh, of the Russian uh, descent. So how do you pronounce it? So let's let's get out of the way. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there is a, in Russia, there is this uh, letter we have. It's letter C. But in English, I use TS. But I've noticed a lot of people, much easier to pronounce ST. So every single company I've joined within three days, they have to change my login and, and email uh, from Slopestov to Slopestov. So. <laughs> I think Perez is, um, is pretty uh, universal now these days, isn't it? Yeah, I think mine is more easy. Uh, yeah, I'm Fernando Perez, I, and I live in, in Madrid, Spain. Awesome. Why don't we uh, get started by letting people know a little bit about uh, about yourselves and, and what you do kind of day-to-day, your roles at WooCommerce. Why don't you start, Andre? Uh, I joined WooCommerce four years ago, uh, Automatic rather, and I've been on a WooCommerce division uh, ever since. I came to Automatic and WooCommerce world after spending a decade in advertising industry. Uh, worked in a lot of different Chicago advertising agencies on the creative side, art direction, creative direction. Um, and uh, yeah, so Automatic and WooCommerce is kind of like my first foray into the world of in-house tech uh, mar- marketing and brand design. The work Fernand and I do spans across the whole spectrum of any kind of like visual uh, design, uh, kind of like touch Everything from as small as designing an icon for uh, extensions and how they show up in the email confirmation uh, letter to working on big brand initiatives for defining the WooCommerce brand. Awesome is your is your work on the brand on the um, on the design side? Does that span into the product, or is it more on the marketing side for WooCommerce as a brand? Or a little, little bit. bit I wouldn't say a little bit. It's both. <laughs> so it kind of touches. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of yeah. both. Uh, when I joined the, the uh, we, we didn't have a dedicated marketing design team on WooCommerce. So I was embedded within the product design team, working with product designers. And the thinking there was, and now we have Fernando on the team as well, that we can kind of bring some of our marketing thinking. Uh, when it comes to, for example, like any cross-promotional uh, ideas, that it's not just kind of like pure uh, UX, and I'm minimizing it a little bit, but it's not just where, but 
also bringing some kind of ideas that can enhance the product perception from user point of view, whether it's from a visual or kind of just like the brand and that brand proposition and values. Awesome. How about you, Fernando? And tell us a little bit about your day-to-day your role there. Yeah. So I started only one year ago in automatic. I joined it directly to the, to the WooCommerce team with Andre working in the marketing and branding side of the, of WooCommerce. And my background is really similar to Andre. I come from the marketing agency side, like the past 10 years working in branding consultancies. I was working as a design director there. So I was launching a lot of brands in Spain, but also in Middle East, in South America, Asia, Africa. So I was like, I had this experience of working with a lot of brands. Uh, but the thing is that I wanted to do a change and like try like working in the, in the, in the client side, in, the, in like in-house, uh, because I think it's, you have like a more like a long-term vision. You care about the brand, you care about your product and your brand and make it grow and everything. So that was the main thing, the main change that I tried to to address with this change to to automatic. Mm. And and here in, in the WooCommerce team, as Andre was saying, we have this approach of like taking care of 360 degrees view of the brand, like taking uh reviewing all the touch points where the brand is expressing. And I, and I think an important thing also that the job we do is like we don't focus only in visual design. We also focus like how the brand express, like the things we do are aligned with our brand values, with our personality. So it's like this duality of working like the visual side of the brand and also, but also thinking about deeper uh, around the brand. Do, do any of you uh, or both of you dream in purple colors all the time? Uh, because there is a very strong theme of, of purple. Yes. And uh... This is something what um, historically WooCommerce, before it was acquired by Automatic, was called WooThemes. And there were several brand iterations. I believe that the WooThemes logo was uh, the same speech level. uh, Instead of commerce, it was themes uh, in the same typography setting. The color was blue. Then it became a blue gradient then slightly kind of washed out purple. Then we iterated it in a slightly brighter and more accessible uh, variation of a purple you see today. Uh, but also like one historical reference that uh, early on, Wufims had uh, a design mascot. It was uh, this character ninja named Hero. Uh, however, like w- in recent years, like we realized that it was not very culturally sensitive. Was, uh, an Asian ninja is a mascot. So we decided to kind of like uh, retire him. And with that, uh, I, I would say like maybe like that part of the marketing design system for the brand kind of like left there. And then probably over the years, we leaned heavily on the expression of brand as a purple, where right now we're trying to pull back and be a lot more intentional about using the color uh, where we don't default to purple everything, but more assessing is this call to action button or is this background is this something where we're communicating to our users about the woocommerce brand then it should be and is it reinforcing kind of like the values we want to speak about or is this just kind of like we're defaulting to it because 
we just kind of like got used to defaulting to it. That's a really interesting uh, process that you described there as a, you know, as a designer, how you, how you have to analyze each um, element of a, of a design, but across the whole brand. Um, how do you tackle that? How, where, where do you start with, um, you know, if you're looking after brands sort of in general, where, you know, where do you start with, with working out what matters and then sticking to those design rules? Uh, well, I'll give you kind of like a, a real practical example. I think like Fernando can cover some of like more high level theory on that. Recently, we were uh, looking at uh, some email reply, the satisfaction with kind of like, did this solution answer your question? Uh, no, it didn't. Yes, it did. Neutral. And uh, the design defaulted on again using the the buttons in purple. And Practically thinking there was like, if the user was not satisfied with an answer and he clicks, no, that did not solve my problem. That's a UX uh, action there. But the button was purple and it was a brand purple. So do we want to build this kind of like subconscious connection between the WooCommerce brand purple with them saying, no, it did not answer my question. So kind of like analyzing it on that level. Yeah, I, I think that's why we are trying to introduce now other colors, the secondary color palette, other graphic elements. So we can have like more resources in, in the brand use. So we are not just par purple centric, as we can say that just using the purple color. Yeah. I was just envisaging if you're not happy, you have a little green shopping bag there, but that's probably <laughs> an unfair joke. It's the same as when you're flying with uh, EasyJet. So if you're not happy, then complain to Ryanair or something like that. Anyway, uh, that aside. <laughs> Um, Fernando, the, so the, the, the design and, um, and I know you used a, a term emotional design. Can you elaborate a little bit more on, on, you know, maybe some, some sort of rules that you apply in across the board from, you know, you mentioned email, but websites, uh, call to action and so on. Yeah. That's, that's something that we try to apply to uh, at the end. It's like how the brand expresses, we want to be closer with our customers with the people that use WooCommerce. So we, we try to connect emotionally with them. And that's one of the parts that we try. And it's not also, it's not only made through design. It's also made through tone of voice, through, through using like more um, user-friendly interfaces. Like we try to connect with the user in all the sense that, that, that we can, not only visually, but of course with, with visuals, with illustrations, with when we are trying to design these type of elements, we always think in, in this type of little connections. It, I can also give another practical example of a, a bit of kind of like our experiment with an emotional design. Uh, I was tasked with uh, helping a product designer to design a screen, uh, an empty screen inside the mobile uh, WooCommerce mobile app. So it was one of the screens where it's uh, once you have completed your whole list of whatever actions you need to do, fulfill an order, cancel, or issue a refund. And once you check off all the boxes and you complete all the actions, it's an empty screen. And the product designer asked me, can we, like, currently we have an emoji there. Can we just, like, have a, something a bit more custom? So when I initially tackled the project, it was, I started looking for, like, okay, what's the, an alternative or other variations of this celebratory moment? And I, through kind of like design exploration, my mind veered a little bit into understanding like, well, who are we serving this screen to? 
And the one thing which was then later confirmed with data that event, that that screen is served to two types of different customers. There's a type one, uh, people who are successfully selling their products or services. And they're, when they see the empty screen, for them, that is a celebration moment. It's kind of like, okay, my to-do list, it's done. So they're feeling happy. They're feeling fulfilled or satisfied with whatever task. But then there is another whole group of people, of people who haven't made a single sale. And uh, for them, that is not quite a celebration moment. It's more like, oh, crap, like something is not working here. So when we were able to kind of dissect the two different audiences, we decided to serve in two different types of screens. So celebration for uh, sellers, and then uh, a screen which offers more advice on how to cross-promote their products, how to increase the visibility of their store for people who have made a single sale. So kind of like tapping into the uh, addressing the emotions and uh, serving them appropriate content and appropriate moment. Yeah, that's interesting. And sort of just going back to some of what you've talked about with the with the purple and thinking through design and and sort of heading in in multiple directions. I guess my question is how do you how do you sort of balance the the brand identity that everyone associates WooCommerce with that purple? So if you stray too far away from that, then maybe you start to lose a little bit of that brand awareness and all of that. And how do you where do you start, I guess? Where do you start in defining secondary colors? Is it just arbitrary? Is it through looking at other pieces of the of the WordPress ecosystem? Um, or photography, or you know, there are lots of ways to introduce color into into design. Where do you, you know, where does your head go? Where do you start when trying to, um, you know, evolve a brand that's so widely known and for a specific color in some instances? Yeah, I I think the key was like to I mean we were we were using a lot of purple, uh, but not other colors. We have uh, different shapes from the from from purple. So we started thinking like, okay, we need to add some flexibility here, but we don't want to lose the purple. Like we are purple, this part of our identity. So we need to keep this purple, but we can start introducing other colors somewhere in the, in the interface, in, in some touch points. And actually the first project that we started thinking about that was in social media, because we know that in social media, the brands try to be more flexible with their communication. It's like a place where they can communicate a little bit different from the corporate standard uh, marketing or, or banners that they need to develop. So we started a project around social media, uh, trying to revamp and redesign our content. And there, there it was when we started introducing this new color palette. We created like a secondary with five highlight colors. And, and the idea was, okay, we need to keep this touch of purple, but we can have a publication in in blue, if we want, it's like, it's okay if we have, if the 80% or 50% of the pages, it's purple, like it's still recognizable. Um, so yeah, that was one of the main, uh, projects where we started using these colors and then it helped us to test it and see how we use it, how it's recognized by the people, how people interact with these colors. And then we started introducing it in other touch points, like banners, like, uh, LinkedIn, social cards, like we were, we, 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 use it this social media as a test and then uh, validate our idea and then started using it across other other places. And there are also a lot of, it, when it comes to brand design and brand strategy, uh, there are a lot of exercises which uh, 
can be done before we kind of like put our mouse to the screen. Uh, like what Fernando was mentioning earlier, uh, he kind of like before commit before producing the first iteration of the new design for our social uh, platform, he did like a very extensive research and like competitive analysis, trying to see what other brands who are operating in the same uh, business as us, what they're doing, what colors they are leaning on to. So we kind of like tried to see like, where can we differentiate ourselves and be a bit more unique and where we, but still maintain kind of like that brand equity we build with uh, our existing color palette. Yeah, tying that back to the emotional design, there obviously has to be some level of trust, right? Especially with it being an e-commerce product, everyone needs to know that it's going to work and money is going to go where it needs to go and all of that. So there's a, a large amount of trust. How heavily does that that trust sort of weigh on you as you make brand decisions? At Automatic, we're heavily encouraged to uh, always talk to our customers. When you join Automatic, no matter what level you join at, uh, you have to go for a two-week support rotation. Because the products we're doing and whatever we're designing, it always ends up with a customer. It's not for us to just put it in our design portfolios, product design portfolios, but it has to work for people. So it does, the work we do, Fernando and I do, it covers like that full spectrum of design where at the end of the day, we do have to realize that even the smallest decisions, they touch millions of people. So it's like changing a simple color or button shape can really have a very big effect on people and uh, how they interact with our product and perceive our brand. That's a really good point, actually. It's, um, you know, 3 million active stores, I think, use WooCommerce, so... If you change the color of a single button and people get confused and complain about it, it's, it's quite a big impact that you potentially uh, have uh, caused by, by making a small change. So um, I'd like to explore a little bit more on your uh, relationship uh, with your you know, employer automatic and, and the culture behind it, because um, I think you, 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 know, you used your example of um, you know, courage to to talk to you, to your clients, and I know Automatic is quite a flat organization. And you know, I think there's, there's. Do you feel there's a lot of responsibility on your on your shoulders to 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 work within Automatic's uh, you know creed? Um, and how do you describe, or can you describe a little bit more of of how you've experienced it? That experienced it. And also maybe some, uh, you know, good examples of, uh, of some of the challenges that you've, you've taken on. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's automatic is really different from other companies is, is the way of working that they were remote or distributed better as before than other places. Um, and that's encouraged like a lot of collaboration between people of the team, but also encourage you to take the lead on the projects that you are working on. So it's like you have the responsibility of working in the projects like from the beginning to the end. So you are accountable for your work. That's really important. And it's really different from working, for example, in the agency side where your work is done by a lot of people touching little things. And then you don't have a real control of your project because you send to the next person and then the final result is totally different from you design it at the beginning. And, but here you, you have like total control through all the projects. Um, 
and that's really interesting and, and, and different. So you need to get used or, or, or be okay to working in that way, um, like this type of managing your own projects. But then you have a lot of, like you working with people from different cultures, uh, you learn working differently distributed, you work the way you want, like whenever and whatever, you have this total flexibility that is very real in, in, in automatic. So, so yeah, I mean, I feel that, that is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good place if you, if you are up to working on, on, on this way and, and working in day to day, for example, for me, the, the people, when I told people, like I was joining automatic, they were all telling me like, oh, you're going to work from home. That's cool. That's the best thing. Actually, for me, it's like I was used to work from the office. You can see here I'm working from a co-working space. So the first thing I did when I joined Automatic was, okay, I need a place to change, to, to have like a place to work different from home. So that's probably the most catchy thing from Automatic. The first, first layer you see is like, oh, they work from home. But uh, I mean, there are, uh, there are a lot of perks and things to, to enjoy, not only uh, that thing that, yeah, in my case, it's like I, I was used for this office life. So, yeah. Yeah. Is that for you as well, Andre? Is it, has it been a, a life-changing um, thing to work for automatically? Yes, uh, it was definitely a life-changing. I would say that in the last four years, I've been pushed and uh, to kind of like really reassess a lot of my professional habits and personal life habits. Um, I was lucky that I joined Automatic before everybody was forced into remote work. So <clears throat> at that time, Automatic four years ago was at 500 people. Right now we're almost 2,000 across 92 or 96 countries. So even at that time, four years ago, it was the largest fully distributed company. So no offices at all. And uh, coming after 10 years working in an agency environment and getting used to just kind of like the practical aspects of working like showing up to work in office is a part of your job. And now it was kind of like you turn on your computer and you turn on Slack and you are at work. So just like the the paradigm shift of that was very, was unusual. Like I was not used to anything like that. And then like Fernando mentioned, we're working kind of like in the end-to-end -end, uh, framework where we own our project. So as much as we own the wins, we also own all the fails and kind of like extreme ownership uh, concept of working at Automatic in, in many ways. And uh, it can be very intimidating, especially coming from an office environment where you have departments and and uh, structures. As you mentioned, Automatic is rather flat. And uh, that means that you kind of have to project manage and you have to get used to having the skills of not just doing your core work, the actual design work, but also understand how to communicate with other people, how to hand off your projects for the next step. And uh, that adjustment was difficult the first year, just kind of like completely rewiring all my, uh, my habits to like the new way of working for myself and then analyzing like the work. There is some work which you like to do at home. Uh, I think it's the work which 
you feel very confident about doing something what's almost like you can do uh, automatically. But then there's work where you venture into something unknown. Uh, you're tackling a new project. And then folding laundry or cleaning, sweeping floor or vacuuming is definitely a lot more a lot easier than to kind of like venture into this unknown of the brand new project. So for those moments, I realized that I need to go offsite. I need to go into a coffee shop or a co-working space to kind of like kickstart this project. And once I got my bearings on and I know what's coming next, then I can come back and work from my home office where the distractions are not so apparent and I just kind of like have more my work routine activated in there. Hey everyone, Bob WP dropping into the show for a short break to tell you more about our two pod friends and to thank them for their amazing support. Need to help your clients create optimized sales funnels using their WooCommerce shop? WooFunnels gives you and your clients all the tools needed to create high converting funnels using WooCommerce. And to add to that, their CRM lets you create broadcasts and automated workflows with unlimited contacts. Because in the end, it's not just building the shop, but building sales and a solid customer base. Visit buildwoofunnels.com to learn more. TenUp has a stellar reputation in building enterprise WooCommerce sites. But they also have an amazing solution for you or your clients' WooCommerce store search with Elastic Press. Elastic Press is powered with faceting and autocomplete that gives any Woo store customers the experience they expect. All you have to do is use the promo code DOTHEWOO at checkout for 10% off your first six months at ElasticPress.io. Make sure and check out both of these pod friends. And now let's get back to the show. So your your team is relatively small and obviously distributed. You all are in different, in different physical spaces. Do you feel like that's a little bit siloing? Do you feel like there's a lot of freedom in that? How do you, um, I don't know, how do you just, how do you feel about having a small team? Do you feel empowered to be able to sort of run with things the way you want to run with them? Or do you feel like you um, long for more input or more team members or anything like that? When I meant, what I meant by saying that extreme ownership, it doesn't really mean that like you do kind of like whatever you want to do. So we still have like a, a pretty, like collaboration uh, is very important. And within our internal communications, part of our creative communication is oxygen. Uh, and we have a lot of internal tools which been in place before uh, to kind of like facilitate this collaboration. One of them is, which now became a public uh, tool called P2. So it's a network of uh, WordPress powered blogs or uh, where each team has their own P2. And then there are projects and then discussions happens and you surface things. And it really helps to think work asynchronous. So we're not tied to uh, kind of like live communication or taking a lot of the communication outside of the email. If the person leaves the company, all of the knowledge, all the communication back and forth in their email goes away. But when it's present and indexable within P2, we can kind of like reference and search things and understand why the certain decisions were made. Yeah, I, I think that one of the 
key things is that Automatic was remote or distributed before COVID, as Andre was saying before, because the process is there and it's really well implemented, like all is documented, all the projects. Um, and yeah, no matter what happened, you're going to always have this P2 or the field guide when you have the, the different steps of the project, the way the, the decisions were taken versus other places that are moving to remote or distributed now and they don't have the proper um, the proper way to work with this some some of the knowledge can go away with the people so it's it's very different than but it's really working really well so that's make much easier collaboration when when we have these common spaces where people can comment uh, give feedback and through slack and p2 i think it's like very very useful and helpful yeah um, so I suppose it's a question for both of you that, um, you know, it's only two of you in, in a, in a relatively big organization, you know, how many employees, 1500, uh, 2000 now, um, I know that's the bigger part of automatic, you only uh, the WooCommerce part, but your job list must be enormous because there are so many design elements, uh, that you need to work on, work with. How do you manage your time and the task and, and prioritize things? So we mainly cover like from, from the branding marketing department squad that we work, Andre and, and, and I, we try to cover like, we have like two sites. We work with marketing petitions. Like we receive like when marketing teams needs like banners or landing pages or some resources. That's one side, but the other side, we always try to balance and have some time for more branding on long-term projects, such as this social media or illustration or color. So we try to balance a little bit between the, the, the petitions. Of course, we prioritize by urgency or, or, or timings or deadlines, uh, but we always try to have some time to try to make the brand growth, thinking more long-term and having these both sides. I would say that like Fernando mentioned that there are two sides of the work we do, the marketing design work and then the brand work. So marketing design work, uh, from both of our experiences working in the agency environments, a lot of it is timeline driven and deadline driven. So wherever it's a marketing campaign, it needs to launch on a certain day or uh, partner uh, activation. So a lot of the times that work take uh, being prioritized first because a lot of other stakeholders rely on that. And then there is brand work, which we kind of have to be very intentional about making space for us to work on because it's a bit more of a long-term investment, uh, thinking about uh, brand expressions. And it's not really driven by kind of like the market, the timeline or deadline. Need. Though it also has deadlines. Don't get us wrong because sometimes that can get carried away. The deadline was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But managing time, we uh, have uh, weekly check-ins with uh, our marketing uh, stakeholders. And in, our, in that particular team example, we use uh, the Trello. I know that other marketing teams within Automatic, they use Asana, for example. And uh, kind of like traditional project management approach to that stuff where we have a sign-up person uh, other people who are we call DRI directly responsible individual and then any other stakeholders who need to weigh in on final approval and that kind of stuff. You're talking a little bit about how the organization is relatively flat. And um, when we were talking before, 
you mentioned something about choosing your own adventure. Is that is that something that you are able to pull other people in that are interested in working on branding and marketing pieces as well from across the organization to help you out when you have, you know, deadlines approaching or campaigns that you want to tackle and that kind of thing? So the choose your own adventure is very interesting part, which was for me at Automatic was very different from agency experience. In the agency world, usually when you hired as a creative, you were assigned to a particular account and uh, you kind of like stay within the agency. And sometimes you have to change an agency if you want to work on something else. But at Automatic, being kind of like an umbrella brand or so many other things, uh, uh, PocketCast, Tumblr, WordPress.com, WooCommerce, Jetpack, uh, and I think that our leadership realizes that the burnout on working on something can be real. So a lot of our designers are encouraged to rotate. And it can either be a permanent rotation to a different product, or it can be a three, six months rotation to a different team. And uh, besides for your personal sanity, it's also really beneficial to automatic because there's a lot of cross-pollination happens. When it comes to choosing an adventure, each team is has power to pick their own tools of work, uh, what they work with, how they work, how they run certain processes, how they write, run meetings. And then the ability for automaticians to kind of like shift around allows these ideas kind of go around and be shared like in this format. So when it comes to projects, choose your own adventure. Also with P2, it's extremely transparent. So you can see what other divisions and what other products are working on. And I guess the democratic approach of this openness and transparency of P2s allows you to really see what's happening at other divisions. And I think that kind of like cliche expression that good ideas can come from anywhere, our P2 and transparency really enables us to see what's happening. And if it really inspires and activates some kind of insights in you or you want to offer help to another division, you're more than welcome to kind of like jump in and uh, collaborate and participate or contribute. That's really nice. So in a way, Jetpack could comment on some Woo assets and say, oh, by the way, we do it like that, or maybe it's better to do it the other way around. And also vice versa, you can comment on things of... Um, I don't know, even even Tumblr or so is that is that how far it goes? And if... actually, Fernando, you can. You recently was working. We uh, Automatic acquired uh, Day One app, a journaling app, and Fernando was doing a lot of work helping them out because they don't have uh, their own designer. Yeah, I mean everything is open internally, so yeah, you can go to other P 2s and see what they are doing. You can give feedback. You can offer your help. Uh, it's especially if you are, for example, good in motion graphics and you see that some illustration from some college can be good animated you could say hey can, do you need some help i have some time and and it's pretty flexible it's pretty natural the the collaboration in that sense and and yeah it's also i, I want to reinforce the message of andre that she was saying that especially in the i don't know if it's for creative of designers but there is this thing of thinking that if you work for only one client, you're going to get tired of that. You're not going to get inspired because it's going to be boring. But uh, I don't think so because we have a lot of different things to do, different type of projects. Uh, I can imagine depending on the brands, uh, but with brands that have a lot of 
touch point something is like you can work on a packaging project and then you can do something digital and then you can extend the illustration system so at the end you have so much different things that you don't get tired but but it's also good as andre was saying like to collaborate and uh, to try to 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 work with other brands to just to disconnect a little bit from from one and and and, and try to other visual styles and and yeah i Recently, I've, I've been working with with Day One, helping them with some projects, and and it's it's been really it's, it's been really good to see like the real collaboration, aromatic. But that's something that you read at the beginning in the field guide and the creed, but you say like, oh, maybe it's like a standard cliche that we all collaborate, but no, it's it's really real in in the way that P two is open. Like you receive message from other brands or help people from other brands to help you. So yeah, yeah. Does that make you? Does it give quite a sort of a, you know, a, a feeling of of belonging and being appreciated? And I suppose you also need a sense of humbleness to be able to take the the feedback from other teams as well. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a sense of belonging for sure, because at the end you are you are taking comment from all other automaticians, and it's also a good test to see if you are explaining well your job. Because sometimes you receive feedback because you didn't express well, or, or or they ask things that you thought that you already explained in the, in in the documentation. So it's also a good test to see like if third persons not involved in the project can understand. And 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 yeah, but it's 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 always for for some designers it's always like touch your ego sometimes like if you receive feedback. But I think that in in this type of of, of jobs where you 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 want to do it better. Like it's totally normal and totally acceptable to receive feedback and and then iterate and 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 actually there is always people that can give even not designers can give like so much good feedback like in details that you don't think about like happiness engineers give amazing feedback because they are in touch with the users so this type of and and and, and the support rotations we do at the beginning is also helpful to understand the customer so at the end it's like everything connected in that in that sense that that yeah, it's really helpful this. These collaborations. No, you do have to be very intentional sometimes about general kind of like sense of belonging, because it is remote work and it's very easy to uh, shift into more like a transactional uh, pattern, where you kind of have a, a Zoom call or a Slack exchange of just assets. So before pandemic, automatic automatic teams would have uh, two meetups. Uh, a year and then there'll be like a divisional meetup so these kind of like moments were also very treasured and valued to kind of like create a bond between team members outside of just kind of like the exchange of kind of like here's my core work now i'm kind of like giving you a ball you run with it but i guess like a lot of companies right now are trying to figure out that secret sauce for keeping morale and uh, productivity and in kind of engagement up or just sustain it. Definitely. You've touched a little bit on being able to collaborate with other teams like you know, Jetpack and you know, Day One and Tumblr and stuff. Um, I'm curious how much there is strategy between all of the teams on unifying direction, unifying look um, as kind of, you know, the automatic look or whatever. Say, 
one decides they want to do glass morphism design for the marketing, does do they all get together and say, we're all going to kind of do this? Or is everyone kind of doing their own thing and then just getting some feedback from the other teams to sort of stay in a general brand direction? And I, I think that each team has it, its own timing and processes. But at the end, we also are communicated and we see what others are doing. So I think that the end result like is sometimes sometimes is like connected somehow. Even each one is in a different timing. Someone is implementing fast. Someone is some brand is prioritizing another aspect of the brand. So but but I think for example we are seeing some connections in illustrations with other brands from automatic. We're trying to iterate sometimes. So you sort of pull inspiration from each other as you make shifts in brand decisions, maybe. Yeah, and we have this weekly, I mean monthly actually, calls from all designs, from all the brands where we share the work where we are doing. And and we have bi-weekly also, every team shares their news, uh, our own design specifically. Uh, we have bi-weekly for each brand. So at the end, you are, and, and you like, you are, really exciting looking forward to see the new post but about what Jetpack or Tumblr is doing because it's like you want to see like what others are doing so it's 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 something that again we have this B2 communications and and yeah and I think that there is definitely a general desire for <clears throat> if we were to look kind of like at the expression in uh, product design and brand design on the product design there is a general goal to kind of like align the design systems because it helps the product designers when they come in and on board to understand that there is a certain components which are shared across different products. It helps product designers to understand that there are certain uh, rules and guidelines which help them to iterate and build fast. But when it comes to brand design, it really depends on the audience of any particular product. So instead of just chasing a style or a trend, we have to kind of come back to who is this product for? Is uh, is a target audience for Tumblr same as it is for WooCommerce or same for WordPress for day one? So we wouldn't really approach kind of like the brand and marketing design across all the products, trying to find like one unifying element in there because we're talking to different people, different audiences. One of my things, actually, I I did want to ask earlier is, uh, you know, you, you, you get a lot of uh, inspiration from within uh, Automatic and from different divisions. Do you have um, resources that you maybe want to share or from that's outside of Automatic or you, you find really useful to get inspiration or whether these are websites or platforms where, you know, the, these that, that's, that's where you really need to look for um, to be current and up to date? I mainly use Pinterest. I don't know if it's old school, but I still continue using Pinterest. I think you can find a lot of, and I really like the way they recommend new content. And I always, I can, I especially use it for, I have a lot of mood boards there for inspiration at the earliest stages of, of the projects. I mainly put everything, all the inspiration there. I use also other more design specific platforms like Dribble or Behance to see what is happening. Uh, in terms of branding, I read a lot. Uh, Brand New Under Consideration is a blog about branding. But in terms of gathering, compiling, um, for me, the, the best 
platform is, is Pinterest. That's a really good one. How about you, Andre? Do you have um, resources like that or platforms that you, that you use? Yes. Um, I also a big fan of Behance, which is an Adobe platform for uh, creative project sharing. Uh, unlike Dribbble, I really like that a lot of the projects there, they go more in depth. So instead of just seeing kind of like a, a single shot, which is a bit of sometimes can be out of context, at Behance you can explore, uh, and then it's teams with people involved with uh, products they use to create stuff. Um, and it's also like such a wide range of stuff there because you can also find photography, art direction, advertisement, uh, 3D, the, the full spectrum of creative projects. And uh, brand new, yeah, I mean, brand new has been around. It's a blog about which covers uh, corporate uh, and privately owned company uh, brand redesigns quite popular in the branding world. Uh, I would say probably the, o- the only, the biggest source. So they cover a lot. They have conferences or they used to have conferences. Um, but then my, a lot of my other inspiration comes from, I like reading, listening to podcasts and that sometimes triggers ideas, which then I try to find the ways how I can execute them in the kind of like this practical visual way. That's interesting, actually, that you sort of take inspiration from from something you hear and then be able to visualize that of how things should work or um, head towards. Um, I think one of my, uh, probably the final question is, um, are there things on the WooCommerce uh, assets or uh, property that we should look out for in the coming future that are quite significant or even something quite small that we should look out for? I would say that our goal is always to think about the user and uh, a lot of the projects, internal projects, which we're working on are all about simplifying the experience and allowing our users to go from uh, no product online to having a product in the shortest amount of time possible. Maybe right now it's not the most efficient route in certain scenarios. But that's kind of like the goal, and that's what we're uh, currently a lot of teams are working on, trying to optimize the flows and the ability for customers to go to market in a very short time, in under 20 minutes, hopefully. Uh, So that's something what probably will be on our roadmap and coming out soon. And with a lot of these big product changes, that's where Fernando and I will start also tackling uh, the messaging and visual expression of how we communicate a faster, better, and more user-friendly WooCommerce. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we try is like we are introducing like small iterations. We are changing little things that maybe you don't notice, but iteration and after iterations, like you can you can see that something has improved, but maybe it's not super noticeable at the beginning. We are not going to change the purple. We're going to keep purple, but we introduce secondary colors. We introduce icons. We introduce key visuals or other graphic elements. So this type of, of things. Um, Andrea, Fernando, if people want to give feedback to you or how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to communicate? Yeah, I, I would say that they can probably reach out directly. So uh, I am on Twitter at Andres underscore CO. Uh, and then also my, I guess my automatic email, andres.slopsov at automatic.com. 
always happy to provide advice or any, answer any questions. I would add, I mean, also my email, fernando.perez at automatic.com. But we also have a channel in a Slack in the WooCommerce community is design feedback, where somebody can drop any message and give us feedback about product or, or brand. And we are there, the design team. So yeah, you are open to, to go there. No, that, that's really fantastic. Um, and I, I do like that, you know, the automatic team and the WooCommerce team, they're very open and approachable to, to, you know, to have that communication with and the feedback and, and learn because it is a constantly evolving entity platform, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, we're a rather small team. I mean, it's, we're around 260 people, the WooCommerce division within automatic, but, uh, a lot of people, there is a very shared sense of ownership and responsibility to all users. So like everybody from a happiness engineer to a product designer or product marketer will feel like we're part of it and we have responsibility to, to our customers. And it's worth mentioning that we are actively hiring. So if you are a designer, product designer, branding designer, or other positions, you can see the work with us page of Automatic. We have a blog also, automatic.design, when you can see the, the open positions. And we are open to new talent of design or other topics. Amazing. Um, I've learned so much, actually, not, not just about the work you two do, but also, you know, a bit more about the culture of, uh, of automatic and working there and how you give feedback. So, uh, thank you so much, both of you, Andre and uh, Fernanda for giving up your time and explaining all of this. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It was fun. Thank you. Hey everyone, Bob WP. Thanks again for tuning into today's show. I would like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. If you are looking to help your clients create optimized sales funnels for their Woo shop, I suggest heading on over to WooFunnels.com. And any shop customer will be happier with a solid search on the store. And ElasticPress.io from 10up has that solution for your client sites or your own store. Make sure to follow us either on Twitter, on our site at dothewoo.io or on your favorite podcast app. Until the next time, keep on doing the woo.